to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. Today, I'm talking to country music singer and songwriter Chase Rice. If you don't know him from his music, you might know him from Survivor. He came in second place in the 2010 season that took place in Nicaragua. If you're a college football fan, you might also know him from his days of playing at UNC. And if you listen to country, you know his music. He's had two number one hits, Eyes on You and Drinking Beer, Talking God, Amen. Now he's got a new album out that shifts his focus to mental health. Before we dive in too far, I'm going to warn you that this episode talks about some sensitive subject matter, including suicide. His album is called I Hate Cowboys and All Dogs Go to Hell. But if you listen to the songs on the album, you'll discover the reason he hates cowboys is because one stole his girlfriend in a song, and he actually loves dogs. And there's an incredibly touching song called Bench Seat that involves a dog. Some of the things he talks about today are the misconceptions he used to have about depression, the strategies that have helped him manage his mental health, and why he knows that he has to keep working on his mental health every single day. One of the things I appreciate about what he had to say is that he makes it clear that none of us are immune from having a mental health issue. And he sheds a lot of light on the stigma about asking for help. In rural communities, there's still a bigger stigma about getting help for mental health issues than in other places. I've seen it firsthand. I spent most of my therapy career working in small towns in rural Maine, where a lot of people receive therapy, everyone from doctors and lawyers to teachers and first responders. But no one really talked about it. Of course, in a rural area, there's a greater chance that you'll see someone that you know in the waiting room, or someone will recognize your car parked outside the therapist's office. And for some people, that keeps them from getting help. But when I got a book deal, I went to New York and met a whole bunch of people who talked about seeing a therapist. And it was the first time I'd really heard people speak openly about going to therapy. The stigma surrounding mental health treatment is getting better everywhere. And I think every time someone like Chase comes out and talks about the misconceptions that they had, the treatment that they've received, and their ongoing struggles, it reduces the stigma even more. Make sure to stick around until the end of the episode for the therapist's take. It's the part of the show where I'll give you my take on some of Chase's strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. So here's Chase Rice on why even cowboys can get depressed. Chase Rice, welcome to the Very Well Mind podcast. Thanks for having me. So I learned that your path to country music was kind of a winding one, right? It went from football to I didn't know you were a contestant on Survivor to here you are now about to go on this huge tour. But life is weird sometimes, right? Yeah, it's been odd. Uh, you know, football is my passion. I loved it, got hurt. Um, and then the same year I lost my dad. So when my football career ended, I kind of had a way to deal with it, which was writing songs. I just learned to play guitar, so I wasn't very good. But that was like the one thing that brought me back to life. Um yeah, and then the Survivor thing was weird. That was a coincidence. I was working at NASCAR after that because I was, you know, they started bringing in ex-athletes to uh, to do that job, see if they could do it faster. And, and the pit crew, and it worked. 
So I was doing that, but I wasn't happy because, you know, I was, I was really loving writing these songs, really wanting to chase that. And then the Survivor thing was just a friend texting me, would you want to be interested in doing it? I said, sure, why not? Like, I'm depressed. I got a sick job and I want out and want to move to Nashville and that thing could give me some money. So it all was a weird path, but here I am all these years later. <laughs> How did it come to be that you finally did move to Nashville and, and started focusing on music? When I came back from Survivor, it was, uh, I couldn't physically do my NASCAR job. Like I was too weak. I'd lost 32 pounds and, and uh, I went to visit Brian and Tyler or, or yeah, I went to visit Brian and Tyler from FGL and uh, that trip that I went to visit them, you know, just to, before I started getting ready to go back and do NASCAR, they had a room available in their house. So by the end of that night, it, we kind of all talked. It's like, all right, room's available. Move in, dude. Interesting. So it all just kind of came together in a strange way, huh? Yeah, it was just one thing led to another and, and uh, moved in and started writing songs and doing real cruise and and then the rest of my last 10 years of my career started. It's, it's been nuts. I bet it has. It's probably been a fairly wild ride for the last few years as things have really blown up and then COVID hit, right? And the musicians I've talked to have said, gosh, you know, during COVID when we couldn't go on tour and things changed, it was really hard. How was that for you? I actually had a blast. Um, it was very hard. Financially, it was, I didn't want to give it up. Like I wanted to, I wanted to keep touring. But then once I finally like, gave up okay well, this isn't happening for a little bit then it became awesome um but financially it was awful but um i got a group of friends in nashville three or four different families some hockey buddies and we all just started doing fun stuff together um looking back at it it was awesome for a once in a lifetime thing but i don't want to do it again right we drank a lot um we had a blast, but it was something that you should only do one time. <laughs> so you're about to go on this uh, huge tour, and we're located in the Florida Keys. You have a song called Key West in Colorado, but I don't see Key West on your list of stops. How do we make this happen? <laughs> a fair question. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but I clearly wouldn't complain. Um, I don't know where we would, but I, we should have thought about that, doing that in March. You know, spring breakers are down there. That would have been a blast, but... Sure, drop the ball. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what we can do from our end. So one of my um, friends sent me your video bench seat, and she said, oh, it's kind of sad. Well, I thought that was an understatement. That video <laughs> is incredibly sad. And then I heard the story behind it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's my buddy who, uh, best friend from college, he put a gun to his head and didn't pull the trigger. His dog walked up, put his head on his lap and kind of just looked at him um, and came and got help right after that. A few days later, he was at my house and I asked him what was going on and he explained the whole thing and just lost it. He was losing his mind a little bit. Um, and he was depressed. He was just really, really, really depressed. And so that from that point on, he started putting the work in. He started getting help, talking to the lady um, and really getting his life together. He moved out of the the apartment he was in, he moved to cities even. Um, and then fast forward to uh, 2021, he's back at my house, we're in the back porch, uh, drinking beer and smoking cigars. And uh, he's in a much, much better place then. And I could tell I had my friend back, you know, and he says, you should write a song about riding, a guy riding around his truck with his dog. And I just started laughing because that's cliche as it gets in, in our genre. 
Um, and then three days later, I wrote it. And I wrote the whole music video in my head while I was writing the song. And it was, the whole song's from the dog's perspective. So he's as much of a songwriter on that thing as I am. Um, but yeah, that's how it happened in a short way. But I identify as the guy in the video. I identify, you know, it's also my friend's story. So he was in a dark hole and I'd been in that dark hole before too. So we just kind of helped each other get out of it. First off, it's amazing he came to talk to you and, and told you what had happened, right? We know that it's really difficult for people when they're in a dark place to say, listen to to what just happened. And the fact that he found the courage to tell you is impressive and so glad to hear that he decided to get help. Yeah, I mean, that was huge of him to say it. And, and I kind of pried out of him. I, something came over me. I believe in God. I believe that was God telling me, hey, man, you need to go up there and talk to talk to your friend. Um, and I walked up there and I flipped on the light. He was trying to go to bed. and. I just said, what's up, man? And he, he wouldn't answer it. And then I said, no, what, what the hell is going on, man? You're not yourself. What's going on? And that's when he started crying. And that's when, thank God, he let that out. And I think that was huge for him to let that out and finally express it to the world what he'd just done. I, I guess I was the first person that he told that, that he just did that or almost that. He even put the gun to his head. That's pretty serious. Um, and he actually tried it twice. But uh, he thought he was a coward for not being able to pull the trigger, um, which obviously a healthy person knows. Like, nah, man, that's that's the best thing in the world you've ever done. And uh, thank thanks to his dog, he's still here. And thanks to him fighting, he got back in the fight. Now he's uh, he, he's happier. Now he's got his own place. He's got a fiance. So he he's about to have an entire life that he would have missed out on. Wow. What'd you do when he tells you that? Something that huge about his struggles? I was just leaning against the wall and just listened and just watched him. I, there's yeah. nothing to um, Just let him vent and let him get whatever, all that darkness. The more you talk about it and the more you let it out, the less hold it has of you. So I was just there for him. And did you encourage him to get help? Yeah, he was already there getting it because um, he knew that he needed it. And... And at that point, yeah, I, I kept encouraging him to see her, the lady he was seeing, and then also go on some a retreat that he ended up going on that I think helped him out a lot as well. So that I'd go, it helped me a lot. So I knew that would be beneficial for him too. When I first saw the video and I learned the story, a little bit about the story behind it, I thought, well, that's great. You're talking about somebody else's mental health. But you've also started to come forward and talk about struggles that you've had too. Yeah, I mean, losing my dad was the first time that I really got depressed in my life. Um, and I, the problem, the worst part was I didn't know it. Um, I didn't, somebody sat me down and told me, I told him five minutes of my story. And he was like, yeah, you're depressed. And I was, I got pissed. I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm good. But I, I was depressed. Um, and I still deal with it. Um, luckily I'm not on pills anymore. Anything like that, even to help me with, uh, with, you know, even medication. Like I'm not on anything. I just try to stay healthy, you know, waking up early getting workouts in, eating healthy as you can, don't drink near as much as I uh, used to. Um, and I've never been the guy that doesn't want to drink. Like, I love going out and having drinks with the boys and having a good time. But there's a point where it can re it can get real dark. And uh, I avoid those. I avoid that these days. You know, I think you're the first person we've had on the show who said I was depressed and I didn't know it. But that happens often. And I'm a therapist, so people will come into my office and they'll sometimes be like, I'm kind of irritable or somebody told me I should come in. And they have no idea that they're depressed. To somebody else, though, who's never struggled with that, they would say, how could you not know? In your case, what do you think it was that kept you from recognizing, yeah, I actually am depressed? 
I think I just thought depression was unfunctional. Like somebody just laying in bed all day, which I was doing sometimes, but I thought it was, but I was still fun, a high functioning person. Like I was still getting my job done. I was still doing all that. So I didn't think, I, I think in my head, I just related to somebody who just completely shuts down and, and just is not even around anymore because they're so, they can't function. But that was the scariest part was I was functioning just fine. But underneath I was sinking. And how did somebody else recognize it in you, do you think, if you look like you were functioning okay from the outside? Because there was a, well, actually, Jenny, she was my uh, vocal coach. She, uh, I just had vocal surgery, so that was another thing I'm dealing with. And, uh, or I don't think I'd had the surgery yet. I think I was working through the polyps that I had before I had surgery. And she just could tell right away that I was giving up. And I don't know how she knew that that wasn't me, but she just did. Um, and she said, I just noticed you've been down on yourself harder than you should be. Um, and she wrote this guy's name on a post-it note and his phone number. And she said, call this guy. I think it could benefit you a lot. And I think I, I knew deep down that I was, that I needed something. I just didn't know what. And then five minutes into talking to Al, who was the guy that she gave me his number. Um, he, he laughed. It was kind of funny how he did it. I just told him, you know, five, 10 minutes of stuff. And he's just like, yeah. You're depressed. But it pooped me off at first. Um, but I kept coming back and he just, re- I related to him so well. He related to me. And he's, he's one of the guys that uh, if I'd have never seen, my life wouldn't be where it is today. Was he a therapist? Yes. He was a therapist, but he wasn't like any therapist that I've ever been around. He was more focused on people in the music industry and not clinically trying to dose, uh, diagnose me with something or, okay. Yep, you're depressed. Here's your pills. He was right. more of a guy to talk to, and uh, and he cared. You could tell right away. And how long did it take you to start to work through that and to feel like you were coming out of your depression? 2013 to 2000. That was in 2013, I think. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I still have days where I'm sad as hell for no reason. Um, but at least I've been there. Um, so, I mean, it, it really took three or four years to really fight and claw my way out of it. Um, but then I weaned my way off of the antidepressants. Um, I don't know. I just, there was something weird going on with them that I didn't think that I wanted to deal with anymore. I didn't like them. Um, and I got off them like the cold Turkey one time and that was a disaster. Um, that was a really bad situation. So don't ever do that. Um, but when I find, I don't know, around 2017, 2018, I really, so probably five, good five years before I was really like, okay, I can do this thing. I think that's really important to note too, because sometimes people are like, well, I went to therapy four weeks in a row, so I should be feeling better and I'm not. But sometimes it takes a long time to, to dig out of that hole and then it can, it can come back. Sometimes it's just like a wave. It gets a little better, gets a little worse. But people will often say exactly what you said. Now, at least I know what it is and I know that it's not going to last forever or I have some skills and strategies I can use when it does hit me that can help dig me out of it faster this time. Exactly. I mean, it's, I, I don't know why um, I ever had the thought that life's easy. <laughs> like <laughs> people look at my life, a lot of people do, and they think I've got it made. And I'm very, very blessed. I've, had, I've lived an awesome life. That doesn't always make it easy. Um, in a lot of ways, it's made it harder, way harder. Um, so I, I don't I don't have this thought where I'm out of it. Like, I'll never be out of it. There's always going to be a battle that I'm going to have to face, whether it's addiction or, um, or depression or 
anything. Just sad shit happens. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just about it. You got to choose to fight every day. And when you start giving up, that's when you really need to talk to somebody and and uh, explain what you're feeling, explain what's going on, and make sure you're not alone. There's a I've learned there's a huge difference between isolation and solitude. Like I love solitude. Waking up in the morning, being by myself, reading a book, talking to God looking out in new york city and seeing these buildings i'm not used to that but it's cool um and then the, then there's times where i'm in the same exact situation and whether it's the city or my farm or whatever where it's like i don't even want to get out of bed and that's not that's not a good place to be right and so many people get stuck in that where they think I don't want to I don't want to go out. I don't want to see anybody or I don't want people to see me like this and then they get incredibly isolated which of course makes their mental health worse and it's a tough pattern to get out of. It is a tough one to get out of. Um and it affect I mean even November December I was November and December in uh Nashville was a lot of gray, a lot of cold, no snow, um nothing to do. It was a bad situation for me so I pulled myself out of it and I started Traveling a little bit, started seeing friends. I'm sorry, but a Netflix binge, I don't care how much people enjoy it. If it's longer than a day or so, you need to get the hell off that couch and go do something else. It's not healthy. Oh, yeah, because a lot of people will say that, like, oh, I just got to stay home this weekend and not do anything when they're depressed. And But I've never met anybody who said, you know, after sitting on the couch for three days, binge watching Netflix, I feel so much better. Instead, they get the less you do, the less you feel like doing, and then you just get stuck there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've normalized too many things that are, oh, that's okay. That's fun to do. It's like, nah, that's 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 a red flag for me. If I'm on the couch for two days, I start losing my mind. So what do you do if you find yourself tempted to sit on the couch for two days and not do anything? What kinds of strategies do you use? Uh, uh, for me, honestly, I'll start working out. All right, I'm not doing this tomorrow. I'm going to wake up at eight or seven or whatever time, and I'm going to wake up at eight. That's going to make me go to bed earlier. Um, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna get on the Peloton, I'm gonna stretch, I'm gonna do the sauna. And when I do that, it's like you do it one day and you're like, damn, I feel good. I'm gonna do that again tomorrow. So you just gotta make yourself do one thing. And from that, it should snowball into for me, it snowballs into um healthier days. I start eating healthy, start drinking less, I start drinking more water. Um, it just snowballs into health. I like that idea, just saying just do one thing. And then it often does it other areas of our life, we feel more motivated to take care of ourselves in other areas once we start with just one one space in our in our lives. Yeah. And if you don't want to work out, start reading a book. Like it's, it's just one thing can make you want to do other stuff. Um and working out is huge. Don't go, don't go pound weights. Like just go for a walk. Walk for 45 minutes. That's it. Like it doesn't have to be something intense, but make yourself do something every day. Yeah. And there's tons of research behind that, that walking and physical activity for some people is just as effective as antidepressants. And you said antidepressants were not your thing, but working out is. Yeah. Is, I, just making myself do one thing a day with working out. As soon as I start doing push-ups, I'm like, oh, okay, I was only going to do 20. Might as well rack out 20 more. Let's see what we got. So it's just small stuff like that that continues to snowball. How'd you decide to make your mental health journey public? Most people a lot of times don't want to talk about her. They don't want to say they're seeing a therapist or that they still struggle with stuff. Well, I knew Ben C was coming, the song about the dog. And, and I knew I'd have to talk about something like that. But at the same time, uh, the more I talk about it, the less control it has over me. So I'm just going to keep talking about it. Then it's like, man, I'm living pretty free these days. Um, 
And it's just, yeah, it's just a more free way of living. And uh, it takes away the shame and the guilt that you feel. And the guilt's one thing. The shame is a hundred times worse. So when you're living in shame, it's a pretty dark place. So talk about it. And and, um, and Ben C was a big part of that, right? It, it all happened through a song for me, which was, why wouldn't it? You know, that's what I love to do. Right. That makes sense. Oh, and I'm glad you said that about shame too, because so many people live in a dark place where they feel like I'll be judged. I can't possibly come out with this. I can't talk about it. And as a therapist, I know that people who look like they're doing fine on the outside are often struggling with really deep, painful things on the inside, but they feel like they're the only ones going through it. And so I'm so glad that you're talking about this for people to know, nope, you might look like you have everything on the outside, but you can still be struggling too. We're not. I mean, at this point in how long humans have been around, nobody on this planet's good enough to create something <laughs> that nobody else has done before. It's like, I mean, you could invent something. I'm not talking like that. I'm talking about emotions and and actions that we do as humans. Like, we ain't invented anything. It's everybody has done it. So you're not alone. Uh, so stop thinking that you're reinventing the wheel and just understand that we're messed up people sometimes. And the biggest thing you can do is fight against it and talk about it. And like I said, the more you talk about stuff, whatever it is, I mean, people have different addictions, people have different things that they do in life. And uh, the more you talk about it, the less hold it has of you. Oh, I love it. When you were in therapy, did you tell anybody back then that you were talking to somebody? Uh, when I was in therapy? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, seriously. Um, I think so. I was yeah. pretty open. Because, because especially when you're in it, then you have no shame. You're like, oh, this is awesome. I'm best I've ever been. Um, yeah. So at that point, you're like, you'll tell it. You'll tell everybody anything. What's been the reaction so far as you've been talking about this, and as people are, uh, tons of people are watching the video. Obviously, bench seat and the music's out there. What's been some of the responses you've gotten so far? Uh, nothing but positive. Um, and then the ones that are negative, it's like somebody called my album like hip-hop trash it's like you clearly didn't listen you dumb out <laughs> so negative i don't i don't see that stuff i take off it um somebody just happened to send me that one but it's been all positive um people are just excited that they're they're talking about their dogs or their depression or their addictions um my bus driver his his uh his grandson the other day he's probably mid 20s 30s somewhere around there older um ended up killing himself so brutal thing to happen but my bus driver knew that he could come talk to me because he'd just seen the video and he'd been there too he was an addict crystal meth addict for years um so people i think are just opening up and talking to me about it understand i'm not just this whatever thing they had in their head that's saying about these topics partying and dirt roads and all this stuff now they see me as a normal person i think um which is awesome you know i just that life's hard life it can be very difficult for a lot of people for almost everybody i think it actually probably everybody um so i think it's cool that people are opening up and and uh know that they're not alone Right. Because there's so many things like social media, people post how awesome their life is. And sometimes I think it makes people feel more isolated because they get that in their heads. Like everybody else is enjoying life and having a good time, except for me. And this song and your music really sends the message that says, no, hey, I've struggled too. And so don't doesn't other people. Yeah. I mean, I don't think uh, we, there's so many different things people fight over these days. But I think the number one thing that's been the worst thing possibly 
in the history of the planet is social media. I think it's brought a lot of people fights that um, it's just a, there's a lot of negative and cancerous stuff that, and that social media brings. And there's positive stuff too, for sure. But I think it's a huge problem. I do as well. I think the research, the more that it keeps coming out, the more it's showing that not only are we staring at our phones too much, but the content we're consuming isn't good for us. And for a lot of people, it's a huge problem in their lives. Huge problem. I mean, I'm on my phone too much. Mm-hmm. And even when I had a long while to a couple of years ago, I didn't have any social media. I just had other people do it for me. Um, now I do some stuff on Instagram, but I stay off it way more than I used to. Um, you'll find yourself creeping back on there looking at useless shoot. And it's just like, I'm not going to waste my day like this. Um, so like I said, that's a battle that that everybody fights. Just get off your phone, go outside, go for a walk, talk to people face-to-face. To, uh, go. Yeah, all of those things can definitely have a huge impact on our mental health. And what about you when you're on the road? How do you stay mentally healthy when you're when you're traveling a lot and staying so busy? That's actually easier for me. Really? You get into a routine, yeah. yeah. And I lose my voice pretty easily. So if I'm out partying, um, it wouldn't last very, that tour wouldn't last very long. I'd be done. So yeah, I just eat healthy, try to work out every single day that I'm on the road. Um, and that not, not only passes time, like we, a lot of times we have nothing to do during the day. So that passes the time. It also makes you just a healthier person. Do you ever worry about like losing your edge when it comes to music? We've talked to other musicians before and sometimes some of them are like, well, if I'm depressed, I write better songs. Or if I'm feeling bad, then it just kind of comes with the territory, but then the emotions come easier. Has that ever been a concern for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's plenty of times where I thought I needed to be depressed to write a song. But when I, when I wrote Ben Seed, I wasn't depressed at all. It was based off another time in my life and based off my friend's time in his life. Um, I think the best stuff that I write is when I'm healthy and, and on, you know, learned, especially at this point in my life, who I am or as a person, then I at least know like, mm, we're not sitting about that today, guys. We're not going to write that. Here's what I want to do. So it, uh, it brings out actually, to me, it brings, makes the music even better. And you put a picture of your dad on the cover of the album, right? <laughs> yeah. Music never fit and never, uh. It never fit. I mean, I'm not going to put that picture on a song like Eyes on You. Um, it wouldn't even make sense. But it also, like, the music I was making, I don't think necessarily was me. Um, and I don't think, and my dad would have known that. So I would never represent my dad with that picture with music that wasn't represent represent a good representation of our family or who he was. And this, is, this music is that. So it's perfect timing. Is this album one that then you feel like you're most representative of you and you're the most proud of? Oh, by far. Like nothing. If I could delete all everything I've ever done um, and keep this album, I would do it. Obviously, you don't have to do that. Like if people love Eyes on You and Drink a Beer, Tongue God, Amen, and Ready, Set, Roll, like those are huge parts of some people's lives. So at the end of the day, I'm actually not even ashamed of it. I just know it was me trying to figure it out but that stuff doesn't hold a candle to this album and i know that for a fact like if you want to argue that one go ahead i'm not there's no reason to talk like i'm i'm staying on my ground um better songwriting better vocally it's better um production it's much better um so yeah it's it's the best thing i've ever done by far how'd you get to that place where you said i'm gonna put out this the best album so far um COVID was a lot of it. You just got a lot of downtime, wrote a bunch of songs on an acoustic guitar. Um, 
And, and a lot of it was the getting off the social media, the getting sick and tired of hearing people arguing and talking so much and having their agendas that they felt like they had to put on everybody else. I was like, you know what? Y'all live in that world. I'm done with that world. I'm just going to do my thing. And this, this album is a product of that for sure. And then Oscar Charles coming in and producing the whole thing was a huge, huge, you know, piece of the puzzle that was missing. And I know Bench Seat's about a dog, um, but you have a dog in your own life, right? Yeah, I got Jack because of the music video. I was like, if I'm going to put a dog in this music video, it's going to be my dog. So Jack was supposed to be the puppy. Ended up being two years later that we finally filmed the video. So he was the main dog. But yeah, Jack's, Jack's the, the middle lab in the video. Awesome. So for somebody who's listening, last question for you. If somebody's listening and they're in kind of a dark place and they're struggling a bit, what would you say to them? Talk to somebody. That's the number one thing you should do. Find a friend, a family member, um, somebody you trust and, and respect and tell them. Um, and that's the number one first step that I would do. I would 100%. Because then at that point, you're not alone anymore. No matter what, you're not alone anymore because you got at least one other person in the fight with you. But yeah, the, having other people join in and uh, and being a part of your fight is probably the number one thing that, that's going to help. Sound advice. Chase Rice, thank you so much for being on the Very Well Mind podcast. Thank you. It was awesome talking to you. Welcome to The Therapist Take. This is the part of the episode where I'll give you my take on Chase's strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. Here are three of my favorite strategies Chase discussed. Number one, make yourself do one thing. I love that Chase said he sometimes forces himself to just do one thing, like a quick workout. And once he gets moving, it's easier to get motivated to do more things. When people say objects in motion stay in motion, they're usually talking about physics. But it's true with human behavior. It's tough to get up and clean the kitchen after you've been sitting on the couch for five hours. But if you just got home from a walk around the block, cleaning the kitchen doesn't feel like such a huge task. Once you get moving on things, it's easier to stay moving. Of course, there's no guarantee that the one thing you do will improve your mental health. Going for a walk, cleaning the house, or calling a friend might give you some relief, but it might not. Don't give up if something doesn't work. You may need to do some more experimenting to figure out what works best for you. Number two, take care of your mental health on an ongoing basis. Chase was open about the fact that his depression comes and goes, and he's still working hard to manage his mental health the best that he can. I'm glad he said that because sometimes people are quick to declare that they are better and they assume that they're never going to struggle with something again. But our mental health is a lot like our physical health. You wouldn't overcome the flu and then say that you're physically healthy for the rest of your life. You know that more illnesses or problems are going to happen. You can care for yourself, but sometimes those things are still inevitable. Mental health is the same. You take a lot of steps to address your mental health to stay as mentally healthy as possible, but ups and downs are still normal, even after you've completed therapy or after you've tried medication. Chase said some of the things he does are that he exercises, reads books, and prays. It's important to incorporate strategies of your own into your everyday life to stay as mentally healthy as possible. Number three, talk to someone. The feeling of being alone compounds any problem you have in life, especially a mental health issue. So many of our guests who have shared their stories talk about the shame that they felt when they kept their struggles a secret. When they started talking about those things, they took back their power and those things no longer controlled their lives. It was only then that they could start to get better. Whether you're battling an addiction, struggling with a mental health issue, you've made a huge mistake, 
or you're dealing with an uncomfortable circumstance, don't keep it a secret. Talking to someone helps. Even if the other person can't fix the problem, just talking might help you feel less alone. Chase shared how he was able to listen to his friend who needed someone to talk to. And when he needed someone, he reached out to a therapist for help. If you have a friend that you trust, be open with them when you're going through a hard time. And if you have a friend that you suspect is struggling, be a good listener. If you can't afford professional therapy, you might try talking to somebody online. There are support groups, websites, and peer support chats that are free, and you can usually stay anonymous. If you want to learn more about Chase or listen to his music, check out his website, chaserice.com. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.